0: Before we get to this week's episode, I want to take a second and highlight what we've been working on over at Schaefer's. You've no doubt heard of the popular sell in May and go away trend. Well, as contrarians, we recently identified five stocks that are poised to buck that trend and enjoy strong growth this summer. It's only available for a limited time, so head over to the link in this episode's bio to get the free report. Can confirm, folks, I did say free. It's free. Check it out. Without further ado, Adam Warner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Schaefer's Market Mashup. But also, please welcome back Johns Hopkins' most renowned options trader inscribe scribe, Adam Warner, who was uh, kind enough to fill in this week in the last minute to talk some VIX. Uh, Adam, welcome back. It's good to have you back on.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back, Patrick. Patrick, we're off today, but I, I, I was free.
0: <laughs> let's, let's talk elephant in the room. First, I have to congratulate you. Uh, your New York Knickerbockers have secured their first playoff berth in what feels like eons. But really only, what, 2011, 2014? I
1: think, I think it's 2013. Okay. Yeah. It, it seems like a lifetime. They, they've only won, I think, one playoff series in 20 years. Something like that.
0: I'm pretty but sure... I think it was
1: 2013.
0: I'm pretty sure it was against the Celtics. Be- I, don't, I
1: don't remember it, it was, so long, yeah. It was <laughs> the,
0: yeah, geez, it's seven plus years, time is flying. But yeah, it was like the J.R. Smith, Carmelo Anthony team... <laughs> God, I hated you all. But, yeah, it's definitely Carmelo Rand. Yeah, you know, I, I like this Knicks team, and unlike most Boston fans, I think when the Knicks are good and Boston teams are good, it, it's just better for basketball and it's better for sports in general. And so, and on that note, you got the Mets in first place. So, I mean, you couldn't be happier, right?
1: Yeah, they're on fire. They, uh, I mean, they're playing bad teams, but you still got to beat them. So. They have uh, they've won up to seven in a row, so uh, hopefully they can keep it up.
0: Red hot, yeah. Uh, like my dad said, you you can only beat who's in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, let's uh, let's get to the the point here. Uh, it's great timing, honestly, having you on. Uh, you know, for someone who has in his Twitter profile "Invix We Trust," uh, between the broad market sell off, the inflation fears. Uh, then kind of like the slivers of good news coming with the CDC and in the reopening of everything, the VIX has been all over the place the past three days, um, under starting at under 17 or dipping under 17, getting over to 27. And then even it, it recovered a little bit today, dropped below its 200 day moving average and then reclaimed it. It's all over the place. So I want to at least start simple uh, if someone who doesn't have an experience with the VIX or what the SIBO volatility index is, they come across an article and they say, you know, the fear gauge hit its highest level since March as the rest of the market is selling off. Uh, what does that tell a retail investor?
1: Uh, generally speaking, I mean, the VIX, you know, they nickname it the fear gauge. It's, it's an index of the, vol- the volatility of um, index options, basically. And it moves inverse to the market so you know, s- the um, S&P goes up VIX tends to drift down s goes down VIX tends to inch up but you know S&P is moving down a bit faster this week so the VIX is going to go up it's just really a question of magnitude and sometimes it's a, it's useful when it kind of overreacts to a, a market move and that's a bit what we've had this week it's it's um, it, it, and from bottom to top, let's say it's up about ten points, it, and so that's you know like sixty percent or so. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's a little dangerous using percentages because um, it's, it's you know often a low number. But it, that's still that's a pretty big move. I like to look at it as um, versus its moving average and ten day moving average, and. It used, it used to be that when it got about twenty percent over the ten-day moving average, that was somewhat of a bullish signal because it kind of meant that options were getting a little too fearful. Mm-hmm. But this week, it on um, um, close yesterday, it closed a little over forty percent above, which is a little, you know it's not a, unheard of, but it's been unusual, and that that's that's just a bit um, a bit on the high side. So it's, it's, it's far from foolproof that happens in crashes also like last year, but am um, right. generally speaking, that's an indicator that it's of a little too far too fast. And again, this is pretty quick, you know, it was, uh, this only happened over a couple of days, really last, last Friday, VIX closed, I think it closed at, um, 1669 and yesterday it closed at 2779. So actually I understand that's 11 points. Yeah. So um, that, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's a big move in a few days.
0: Yeah, well, I saw an article from Bespoke that was talking about you know this three-day spike or, or these three-day spikes have been happening more and more since the financial crisis. Uh, it seems <laughs> like markets have become more sensitive to this volatility. Can you point to any reason why?
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's like, I just I ran a tweet at a chart today that um, I was looking at times incidents where the VIX is gone forty percent past its day moving average, and I, I have uh, 20, 23 incidents of it. But all um, well, but five of them are since two thousand and ten. So wow. I, you know, it really it, it you know really is a post uh, financial crisis phenomenon to see moves like this. You know that often I I, I don't know. I, I guess it's. Um, you know everything in the world reacts faster now. You know news reacts faster. Mm-hmm. People react faster to news. You know, you know, you know, algorithms and whatnot. So that's probably the best explanation. Is just you know the volume's bigger. The triggers are faster, and you know it just moves more and it moves quicker. And you know, in in a sense, it maybe it stops the moves a little sooner than they would. You know, maybe they maybe. I'm just speculating here, but maybe market moves would tend, that might have taken a few weeks, happen in a week nowadays. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I, I think that's the reason. I think it's just you know faster markets now.
0: Mm-hmm. Feels like you know you look at the the pa- all the pace of play statistics in something like basketball <laughs> when you compare it to you know the '80s to now, where you know just there's. Analytics involved. There it's everything's quicker. The pace is quicker. Um, I think it's just a product of the technology, the internet, and I don't. It, it, it feels almost cheating to say an answer that simple, but I feel like that's all we got.
1: Yeah, like I don't, I mean, I don't think the Robin Hood traders move this, but um, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. that's true. <laughs> but, uh... You know, maybe on the margin. I like, actually no, you know what? There's no way that's the cost. <laughs> so, no. That. Even all of them combined don't have that kind of pull on like something this big.
0: <laughs> so you you mentioned your the ten day moving average and that's that's a moving average we we have Schaeffers track often, uh, even just for broad equities. why the ten though? You know, because you you, you there are other moving averages to use, shorter ones like twenty and forty, and then Kind of intermediate 80, 100, and then the longer term 200, 320, and then you can get into the weekly. What makes you hone in on like the 10 day?
1: Yeah, honestly, I probably first read it from, a, from Bernie Schaefer's uh, report you, you know,
0: 20 years
1: <laughs> ago. Like, that's, wow. probably where I started lo- that's probably where I started looking at it. But I do, I do think it's, I'm I, I, not for stocks because it, it would look more at like 50s and 200s, but. Um, I think for something like this, you know, it's a statistic, and you kind of look. I, I, I like the idea of just looking at it versus itself, and I, I think like um, you tend tend that you know it's two weeks really, and, and that's you know the recent history of it, and I kind of just think it's a better, um, you, you know, you're looking for just kind of outlier moves, and, and I think you really need to go short term to try to pick up that outlier. I, I think when you go You know, that's that's a long time for just a statistic, you know, and it's kind of ancient history. Prefer a shorter term one for something like this. I'm sure there's utility in looking at longer ones, you know, for just a longer term picture of it. Yeah. I think for trading in this particular case, the shorter term is better.
0: For for the VIX, I think for other, if you're looking at an individual stock, I think 10 day can be a little hairy sometimes, but when, when you're, it's talking about like a volatility tool like this uh the shorter term the better
1: if a stock you know, you're going to get a lot of noise obviously in a shorter term look which you know is fine if you're you know you day trade momentum trade whatever if you're looking longer term it's not optimal but for if you're looking at the vix as an indicator i think you, you kind of want the noise because that's i think your goal is to find the noise and hey there's too much noise and maybe that's contrarian
0: yes. so
1: maybe that's a feature, not
0: a bug. Right. So that leads into my question. There is, what are some ways a retail trader or a real retail investor can take advantage of VIX spikes, or, or even at the, on the other end, like, kind of like a muted VIX? Can they profit off off it? Can they use it as an indicator? What what what, what can they do? The
1: VIX um, going up too far too fast. I th- generally speaking, is a good country indicator. Like these, um, I mentioned these times it's gone forty percent above. You um, a week later, it's up about two thirds of the time, and two weeks, two to three weeks later, it's about the same thing. There are, however, uh, a couple of major major accidents, mostly last year. It was just,
0: yeah,
1: it was up. <laughs> the fix went forty percent above on the way to just exploding, and you know. the the market last February, March, you know, as I'm sure people remember, got destroyed. Crashes come from oversold markets. They don't come off of, like, overbought markets. You know, it doesn't crash from the top, really. It crashes after it's already started declining. So the same thing with this. It tends to show, the, like, a, an overbought mix tends to show a move is overextended, but there's some real disasters in that. So um, I, generally speaking, I think you can fade You know, or buy into, buy the market, not buy the VIX. You could buy the market into an overbought VIX. The reverse is not really true. Like if the VIX is weak, it tends to be weak slowly. You know, like today it's down a lot. It it'll go down a lot off a of top. Mm-hmm. But I think we're talking more about, you know, if it's like drifting like from a lot of this year, it's this year being twenty twenty one, you know, it's drifted into the teens. That's just, you know, apathy isn't really a great Market signal. Mm-hmm. that's just kind of, you know, that's just kind of apathy. And that I would not um, use any kind of VIX analysis in any major way.
0: Yeah, well, I, I pulled our, our episode from late February, I think it was the 25th, and we talked about the volatility crush, and the VIX had just dipped below 20. Um, since then, it had spent a considerable amount of time below 20. In reality, we didn't really have much to talk about then because it was it was so muted. Now I think is the time to highlight its utility.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's more normal. Yeah, just the kind of like constant drift. You know, usually prices a little higher than the actual market volatility. So, generally speaking, it anticipates that the market will get a little. Busier and most of the time it doesn't. And then you get a week like this where all of a sudden it does. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is really kind of typical, you know, drifts, 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 and explodes in a week. And then, you know, like to make a prediction, you know, maybe, maybe the market's topped and we, we do start going down now. But um, these are most likely blips and we'll, you know, in a few weeks or months we'll be back to drifting every day. I got in here. On top of that, you have know, summer coming up, which almost always tends to be a slow time. So if they had to make a grand prediction, this is a blip, and you know maybe in the fall you know, you'll start to see you know, more of a sustained lift than the next to nothing else. Right, and <laughs> that's my total guess.
0: <laughs> because I, I think that's important to say. Because you're right; you don't want to make any predictions, but you can still say without predicting that we shouldn't overreact. Uh, you know, no. this, this, this inflation data has been coming out for a while now. This is It's nothing new. You know, th- there's been no new developments, really. It just kind of all bubbled over. And what happens when something bubbles over, it goes back down to normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. Inflation is a good example. You know, it's uh, like like you said, it's been on the radar, and then you had a couple data points this week that um, if you're of the belief that inflation is going to be a problem, they certainly reinforce that, and, you know, markets get spooked. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, a few weeks maybe have data points that you know either it's not as bad as we thought, or people just get used to pricing it in. You know, and then you got you know Memorial Day weekend, and you got summer coming up, and then that tends to dampen. Also, it tends to dampen market moves.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you know we talked about it in the intro. You, you have the CDC announcing that anyone with two shots, in you know, can basically resume to life as normal. Uh, retail sales are coming out tomorrow. You know, that sentiment can kind of start to pull it back down to the levels it was in, in in this early spring. But I do think it's important for retail investors to kind of have that information in the back of their head for when it spikes, how to kind of react. And so I, I guess kind of really the last question is, you know, whenever the next spike is, how should an investor react? Like, should they... Consider hedging. Should do they? I mean, just I don't want you to give advice, but just walk me through what their mindset should be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I tend to like to go a little long into big spikes, but um, again, I would I, I would emphasize it. It works more than it doesn't, but the accidents are brutal. So you have you do have to have an eye for the door. That hey, maybe this is a really bad timing. So, Jared, I mean, I, I think you should always, um, my dad actually told me this, you know, only buy as much that that lets you buy more if it, you know, if it goes lower. Like, don't, don't shoot your whole uh, buying power in one shot. So, uh, you know, buy gingerly or go long gingerly into these spikes and, you know, if you're wrong, you know, start cutting back and take your loss.
0: Yeah, so basically what you're saying is don't overpay for like a lifetime contract for Bobby Bonilla. <laughs>
1: right, you might, you might find you're still paying a million dollars every year until like 2050. <laughs> oh, that still
0: blows my mind. Um, but I think no, it's July
1: 4th or something like that. Or July, I think July 1st. I think Bobby Bonilla Day is coming up. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, is, it, is, this, is this the final year? No, I don't
1: think so. I think it
0: still goes. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um. Well, I, I I guess I mean I just I wanted to have you on here for a quick episode, um, but thanks again for, for coming on, Adam. Um, best of luck to the Knicks in the playoffs. The Celtics, I don't know. I might have to kind of temporarily shift my fandom for, or you know, no, let's no let me be let me clarify that. I'm not shifting my fandom. I will be rooting for the Knicks to <laughs> cause some problems. For your Red Sox, a
1: Red Sox fan, because they're doing pretty
0: well. Yeah, they're great, but the problem is living in Cincinnati, I only get to see them every now and then on ESPN Plus. You know, you see, you see Disney buying La Liga and, and the Bundesliga. You know, why can't they just grab the MLB too? Uh, you know, put it all under Mickey Mouse's umbrella. So, like, you know, Red Sox fans are all over the place, uh, and oh, yeah. it's harder to watch. But, hey, that's, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Um, but thanks again for coming on, Adam. Um, We'd love to have you on again, and go Mets and Knicks. can't believe I just said that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thanks for having me on, Patrick.
0: Take care, Adam.